today from the Metrodome in Minneapolis. It's Super Bowl 26 as the AFC champion Buffalo Bills take on the NFC champion Washington Redskins. The Washington Redskins' five-month odyssey would come to an end in Minneapolis on Sunday, January 26, 1992. Although I was only in middle school, this was the fourth Super Bowl for the Redskins during my lifetime up to that point. But it was the first Super Bowl season that I was able to enjoy from the perspective of someone who was now old enough to understand the game of football. The basics, anyway. I had been playing organized football myself for a couple of years at that point, and I remember appreciating the 1991 Redskins on a level I couldn't appreciate the 1987 team, for example. Super Bowl Sunday in 1992 involved a long day of preparation. For those of you who haven't had the pleasure of seeing the Redskins in a Super Bowl in your lifetime, I will just tell you that it is different. Normally, even to this day, I absolutely refuse to watch any Super Bowl pregame broadcast until the teams are actually ready to take the field. I'll tune in right before the coin toss. That's all I need to see. In 1992, I watched all three hours. It was only three hours back then, not seven like it is today, thankfully. I watched every bit of it. I even watched ESPN before the proper pregame show started on CBS. Seeing your team in the Super Bowl is like Christmas combined with New Year's Day, only better. And bigger. It's the culmination of everything you hope for as a fan. All the time you spent reading and discussing and cursing and cheering your team is done in the hope that someday you'll see them make it to the final game. Now, it was here. The Redskins' opponent in Super Bowl XXVI would be the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo had lost the Super Bowl the year before, a game it easily could have won. Scott Norwood's last-second field goal famously drifted just wide, and the Giants beat the Bills 20-19. This year's Buffalo team was even better, and was the best of all the Bills' Super Bowl squads. Buffalo had romped to an AFC Best 13-3 record. Other than one bad game against the Chiefs back in early October, the Bills had looked great all year. Their other two losses were by three to the Jets and also by three in overtime to the Lions in a meaningless regular season finale in which some of the Bills starters didn't even play. In the playoffs, the Bills got revenge over the Chiefs with a 37-14 beatdown, then topped a tough Broncos team in the AFC Championship to reach the Super Bowl for the second consecutive year. Buffalo was an offensive powerhouse, scoring more points than any team in the league except the Redskins. All-Pro quarterback Jim Kelly threw 33 touchdown passes in 15 games in 91, and Thurman Thomas, another All-Pro, was the best all-around running back in the AFC. He had over 2,000 combined rushing and receiving yards that year and scored 12 touchdowns. The Bills were also blessed with a pair of Pro Bowl wideouts in Andre Reid and James Lofton, as well as speedster Don Beebe. Nominally another wideout, Steve Tasker was himself a Pro Bowler, thanks to his special teams abilities. Defensively, superstar end Bruce Smith anchored the Bills 3-4, while outside linebackers Daryl Talley and Cornelius Bennett were two more Pro Bowl selections for Buffalo. The two teams that so many had picked to win the Super Bowl before the season even began would now meet to settle that business at the Metrodome. I recall being so fired up before the game started that when they had to redo the opening kickoff thanks to some on-field confusion, my dad had to use the almighty power of dad voice to get me to settle down. I just couldn't wait for the game to start. Finally, 
it did. The Redskins got the ball first, but went three and out, something that was pretty rare for this offense. Even more surprising than the Redskins' quick punt was what happened when the Bills got the ball. Thurman Thomas, the man who would have been Super Bowl 25 MVP if Norwood had made that kick, wasn't in the lineup. Kenneth Davis took his place. As we all later came to find out, someone had moved Thomas's helmet during the National Anthem, and he was unable to find it in time to start the game for the Bills. Okay, fair enough, I guess. But the thing that always bugged me about that story was that the Redskins got the ball first. That means that Thomas had a good 5-10 to ten minutes of real time between the end of the Anthem and the Bills' first offensive play to locate his helmet. But he didn't. The helmet snafu was an omen. Buffalo's first play was a short run by Davis. On the Bills' second play, Kelly called an audible to confuse Davis, who went the wrong way on a would-be handoff. Kelly made the most of it, but the drive was already off to a bad start. On third down, the Redskins made sure that the Bills couldn't recover. I think Thurman Thomas is coming into the game now. I think Kenneth Davis went to the wrong side. Kelly called the ball to one side. Davis went to the, to the other side, so Kelly had to go to the side that he called it to anyway. I'll make it third and five. And now Thomas is the lone setback. Kelly out of the pocket and down by Jumpy Gathers. He's the first one to arrive. Tim Johnson with the assist. A loss of 10. Now we talk about what the teams wanted to do. One of the biggest things, control the line of scrimmage. The defenses wanted to knock the quarterback down. Jumpy Gathers, 97, gets a big push there. Kelly couldn't throw it when he wanted to. Then he had to run, and Jumpy was the guy who made him bring the ball down, and also had a guy who came up with a sack. The next Redskins drive was the Rippin' to Monk show. Art Monk made four big catches for 79 yards to help take Washington from their own 11 to the Bills' two-yard line. On third and goal, the Redskins would go to their veteran wide receiver again. There's Don Brill on Joe Gibbs' right trying to come up with a play. This becomes a long yardage here, and this almost becomes a passing situation. So they're going to go from heavy jumbo, where they had their three tight ends in, back to their three-wide receiver offense, because even though they're still on the goal line, it's now a third-down and passing situation goal line. And it's minor as well as the posse. Monk, Sanders, and Clark. Miner is the runner. Rip and roll right. Touchdown, Redskins. Art Monk. for Art Monk, 81 yards. That's a one-man game. Where someone has to throw it and someone has to block for the guy that throws it. Give Ripman an assist. Here's the touchdown again, John. You know, that's what we're talking about, that the guy can not only get open and catch or run after the catch, but at six foot three, he can get up over any defensive back. 
I think they're looking now, did that second foot get in? See that foot, that right foot is right on the line. So they're going to look at this and they may say this isn't a touchdown. Could be. He catches a ball, he's going to come down there with one foot and he's okay. And I think it's that second foot that doesn't get in. That right foot right there steps on the line. Touchdown, I think. Well, we'll still have to wait and see until they review again. Well, we saw we have a reversal. They're reversing. Fourth down on the two and a half yard line. Yeah, his right foot was out. Did a left foot's in. It was the first reversal of a touchdown in the history of the Super Bowl. But the Redskins were still in a position to draw first blood. So it's still a scoreless game. Low Miller now, instead of the extra point, for the field goal from 19 yards away. And they fumble, Rutledge does, and Buffalo comes away. Cornelius Bennett hit Rutledge. And the Redskins, after a very impressive drive, get no points. Remember that. Mark Rippon does have confidence, though, but I think the Buffalo Bills are going to have confidence, too. That ball was a good snap. It yes, just it went was. right through Rutledge's hands. You're exactly right. It's still nothing-nothing. Although Washington had come away empty-handed, the Redskins wouldn't have to wait long to get another shot. Charles Mann is number 71. He just goes inside of Ballard right by the running back, and he just hits Kelly just as he throws it. Watch him. Just as he throws the ball, he hits Kelly. I don't think that Kelly ever saw the defense. It gets tipped around. Edwards is just sitting back there in his zone, and he comes up with the interception. And there comes Wilbur Marshall right by, right behind Mann. The Redskins take over. That's what Richie Pettibone says. He said every time he goes back to throw, we're going to try and knock him down. Edwards' first down pick had set the Redskins up deep in Bill's territory. Washington's first two plays, a run by Ricky Irvins and a reverse to Ricky Sanders, went nowhere, setting up a third and eight at the Buffalo 11. Ricky Sanders has a lot of moves. Jackson didn't go for all of them. Made a perfect tackle. Third and eight. back to throw it. Ball batted up in the air and the Bills come up with it. Jackson makes the interception. The Redskins twice get close and come away with no point. Two big plays by Kirby Jackson. The first one was the tackle where he didn't get fooled by the reverse. Made a great open field tackle and then he comes up with a tip ball and interception. Again, we talk Despite two golden opportunities to get on the board first, Washington couldn't score. The Redskins had outplayed the Bills in a somewhat sloppy first quarter, but the game was tied 0-0 going to the second, which was reminiscent of the Redskins' other two playoff games. 
Washington mixed up the tempo on the next possession in a no-huddle offensive attack featuring a couple of nice runs by Ernest Spiner and a sprint bomb completion to Ricky Sanders put the ball on the Buffalo 16. The Redskins had to settle for a 34-yard field goal from Chip Lowmiller, but at least Washington finally had something to show for a massive yardage advantage. The Bills went three and out again, and Rippon used some quick passes to move the Redskins down to the 10-yard line in short order. I think the Redskins have done an excellent job of, of mixture. Not only mixture of run and pass, but mixture of formation. Going from two tight ends, three tight ends, two wide receivers, three wide receivers, right, left. They have really moved the ball around in this first half. Second and nine at the 10, ripping outside to Byer. Touchdown, Redskins. Control the line of scrimmage brings confidence, and confidence brings touchdowns. Low Miller for the extra point. No reviews this time. 10-0 Washington. After boosting the lead to 10-0, great Redskins kick coverage kept Buffalo backed up inside its own 20. Jim Kelly would try to change that. on Daryl Green, and he is going to come up with some of them. You see the pressure right there? That made Kelly throw the ball. He looked like he tried, tried to throw it too hard, and it just took off on him. And that ball just kind of floated in the air. And Daryl Green, the fastest defensive back in football, he can catch up with any floater. On a third down, Rippon beat a blitz and hit Gary Clark over the middle. Clark picked up the first and ran it all the way to the Bills' 15. And Irvin's run picked up 14, setting the stage for Gerald Riggs. First and goal at the one. Riggs is the deep back now. He was on the goal line. He sprinted all the way to the 50 and over to the sideline. There is one happy, pumped-up quarterback. The Redskins have taken this game over. After Riggs made it 17-0, Buffalo continued to struggle on offense. Finally, near the end of the first half, they managed to get the ball on the outskirts of field goal range, but faced a third down at the Redskins' 28-and-a-half yard line. Marshall has four tackles, two assists, 
One sack. And he defended on that one pass to McKellar. Third down. They show blitz again and then they back out of it. Again, Kelly is hit. No flags. Pass incomplete. Andre Reed, the intended receiver, Brad Edwards. Andre Reed better watch it. He did get the flag. You can't do that. I know it's a big game. I know it's an emotional game, but you have to keep things under control. I'm one to talk about that. <laughs> oh, he did. He has a legitimate gripe. Brad Edwards, a free safety for the Redskins, hit Andre Reed before the ball was there. But I'll tell you one thing, by him throwing his helmet, that's going to knock him out of field goal range. Oh, pretty close to it. Unsportsmanlike conduct foul on number 83, offense, slamming his headgear to the ground. 15-yard penalty, it'll be fourth down. And that is all taken off or added to the field goal. Reed's memorable meltdown ensured that the Redskins would post a first-half shutout. Washington had a comfortable lead, but it could have been even worse. The Redskins held a commanding 266-78 offensive yardage margin at the break. An on-screen graphic made the point that the Redskins had now outscored their opponents 52 to nothing in the second quarter of their two most recent Super Bowls. By halftime, Rippon had already thrown for over 200 yards, while Jim Kelly managed only 99 yards on 9 for 21 passing with two picks. The consensus among the CBS talking heads was that the Redskins were beating the Bills at their own game. Specifically, Washington was running the no-huddle to perfection, while Buffalo, which was much better known as a no-huddle team, was struggling to put any kind of offense together using a no-huddle attack. There was still plenty of time for the Bills, however, and Buffalo would begin the second half with the football. They wouldn't have it for long, though. Yeah, this is a, a big part of it is what they did to Jim Kelly. And if you look at that first half, he was sacked three times. He was hurried seven times. So that kept him out of his rhythm. He was knocked down four times. He had one batted ball and threw two interceptions. So just about every time he went back, something on one end or the other hurt him. BB is split out wide to the right. Thurman Thomas behind Kelly. This time, they take a little more time. They're all over Kelly. Pass is intercepted by Kurt Gobert. Gobert out of bounds at about the two, and the Redskins are in business again. Again, it was a pressure. It's one of those things. The blitzes, I think they that's what Denver did to them. The Buffalo Bills haven't put out that fire yet. They got the pressure up the middle. Kelly threw it, didn't even see the interceptor. Watch the pressure right there, coming straight up the middle. See right there, seeing Kelly gets hit just as he throws it. Andre Collins was unblocked, and he came right in Kelly's face. Now watch him, he hit, he put his head in Kelly's chest just as he threw the ball. And then I don't think McKellar saw the ball, Govea did, and he came up with the interception that was caused by 55, Andre Collins. First and goal at just outside the one. Finer. Kelly's third pick of the game and Gavea's return set the Redskins up with a first and goal at the two. In three weeks, the Buffalo Bills have not solved the blitz. First and goal, Redskins at the two. It's Riggs. And he gets the carry and he has a stand 
up Washington touchdown. That's his second of the day. Yeah, we talked to Mark Griffin yesterday. He says there could be a hundred points or a hundred punts. And the way the Redskins are playing, they're going for a hundred points. They lead 23-0. To this point in the game, the Redskins had thoroughly manhandled what was considered at worst the second-best football team in the world. Eventually, though, good teams will make plays. A long completion from Kelly to Don Beebe gave Buffalo its first red zone opportunity. The Bills made it inside the Redskins' five, but Washington's defense held Buffalo to a field goal. Later in the third, a pass interference call on Martin Mayhew, who was defending James Lofton on a long pass to the end zone, gave the Bills a first and goal at the one. The Redskins stymied the Bills on first and second down, but on third down, the Bills turned to their best offensive weapon. like his defense is starting to get a little tired. The Buffalo offense wanted to be up-tempo and play quick, and they're doing it now. The Redskins were still in command on the scoreboard, but they had given up 10 straight points to the Bills. Washington needed to reclaim momentum. Rather than getting timid or overly conservative, Joe Gibbs opted to go back to the no-huddle offense and use an aggressive, pass-heavy play selection. His decision to keep his foot on the accelerator would prove to be the correct one. Yeah, we talked about how the Redskins mix up their packages. Here's the different packages and how they've used them. Regular, that's two tight ends and two receivers. They've been in that 20 times. Three wide receivers, 28 times. That's one tight end. Four wide receivers, they haven't done that today. Heavy, which is three tight ends, three. And heavy jumbo, which is four tight ends, six times. So they really mixed up their package as well. And this time they huddle. Third and ten. Finer is replaced by Irvin and he's the lone running back. Griffin is back to throw it. Going deep. Touchdown Redskins Park. From 30 yards away it's Rippin. does Pat. One team starts to take it away from you, you go back and get it. Clark has seven catches for 114 yards and the touchdown. The score extended the Redskins' lead back to a comfortable three-touchdown margin. The offense had come up with a big play to reassert control for the Redskins. On the Bills' next possession, the defense would try to do the same thing. Back 
back in at 18. The Bills operating from their own 22 with less than a minute left third quarter. Here comes the blitz again. Kelly. His arm was moving forward, but they say it was not. It's a fumble. Kelly is down. He's hurt. And the Redskins have the football. Now that was a numbers thing. The Alvoid Mays came on a blitz. Again, they've been having trouble with that blitz. They can really only keep five blockers in there. Watch number 20 come off the corner up there in the top of the screen. They can block everyone else, but they don't have enough guys in there. Al Boyd Mays, 20, hit Kelly's arm just as he threw the ball. And Stokes made the recovery. It was Kelly's fourth turnover of the day. The Redskins converted the fumble into an early fourth-quarter field goal to push their lead to 34-10. to An increasingly desperate Kelly would fare no better on the ensuing possession. Kelly back to throw it, going deep. That has every chance of being intercepted and is by the Redskins. That's Brad Edwards with the football. Edwards is down at about the Buffalo 34. That's the fifth turnover by the Bills. The Redskins again converted the Bills' miscue into points as Chipolo Miller connected from 39 yards out. The competitive portion of the game was over, but the Bills still had too much pride to roll over. Buffalo embarked on a 15-play, 79-yard drive that ended with a short Kelly touchdown pass to Pete Metzelars to make it 37-17. Although Washington had allowed a score, the Redskins still won, so to speak, as Buffalo used up a substantial portion of the fourth quarter to get those seven points. The Bills managed to recover their onside kick attempt, however, giving them a short field. Buffalo cashed in with a four-yard touchdown pass to Don Beebe. Back in our living room, I was annoyed by this sequence of events. I was still very confident the Redskins were going to win, but adding a pair of cosmetic touchdowns made this one-sided game seem a lot closer than it actually was, and that was a little frustrating. When the Bills nearly recovered the next onside kick, I got even more peeved until I remembered that the important thing was that the Redskins were about to win the Super Bowl. The Redskins did recover that onside kick, though. Helped by a 22-yard run from Ricky Irvins, Washington drove it down inside the Buffalo red zone, but with less than two minutes to go, the Redskins were content to let Rippon kneel it down rather than extend their lead. Got over those stomach cramps. Kelly is through, Reich's the quarterback. Outside of Davis. Davis hammers away and the clock will keep running and again Wilbur Marshall made the stop. That should do it. The Redskins are the world champions. Once again, the final score of Super Bowl 26 is Washington 37, Buffalo 24. Stay tuned for the Super Bowl Today postgame show presentation of Vince Lombardi's trophy. You're watching CBS Sports coverage of Super Bowl 26.
we congratulate you on behalf of the league and you and your outstanding organization for a marvelous victory today and a marvelous season. And Joe, this is your third Super Bowl victory for the Redskins in a decade under your leadership, and that's an achievement that's uh, getting close to uh, the top of the list. So uh, we congratulate the Redskins on an outstanding season and a great Super Bowl 26. Thank you very much, Paul. Uh, it's a great honor to accept this because I have so much pride in our head coach, his coaching staff, the wonderful band of players that he's assembled, our head office, and most of all, the best bloody fans on the face of the earth, Redskin fans. I thank you very, very much, Paul. Thank Congratulations you. to you, Mr. Cook. Uh, Joe, many people had trouble solving the riddle of the no huddle. How were you able to do it today? Well, it was just, uh, I think our defensive guys did a great job. Richie, Torgy, Peck, and Emmett, and the players had a good plan. And we gave them a lot of looks, and we tried to do a lot of things, and I think it helped. You're, you're now the first coach to win three Super Bowl titles with three different quarterbacks. How would you distinguish each one? Well, I think they were all very different. They're all of themselves. Uh, I was very fortunate to have Joe Theismann when I first came here. Doug William, a class act, big, strong guy, and Rip is a young one that's uh, taken us there. I just want to say a thanks to our owner, our general manager, Charlie Casserly, all the work behind the scenes, and everybody in the front office. But, hey, those three guys, have we've had good quarterbacks. This is your third title in 10 years. Uh, do, do you feel fulfilled, or might this be enough? I really, uh, right now, I feel very... Uh, Humble, I guess, because I realize I get a lot of credit for a lot of things I really don't do. And uh, I just, the Lord's blessed me, like I said, with a great situation. And I'm just thankful for that and thankful for Him to let me do this. In the background of the mini celebration that was taking place in my living room, I remember thinking that Joe Gibbs seemed tired. I had watched my tape of Super Bowl 22 probably 10 times in the four years since the Redskins had won it. And Gibbs was a lot more energetic. His words were just as understated as always, but there was a more vibrant tone in his voice. I think that was maybe our first clue that Gibbs wasn't going to be the coach of the Redskins for too much longer. He came back in 1992, guiding an injury-depleted squad back to the postseason where they earned a decisive road victory over the Vikings before losing a close game against the 49ers 20-13 at Candlestick. And that was it. Gibbs retired after the season. He was only 53, which is just three years older than Jay Gruden will be this offseason. Jason Garrett is 50. Ron Rivera is 54. John Fox is 61. Bruce Arians is 64. Pete Carroll is 65, and so on. Gibbs was not an old coach yet, but he wanted to focus his attention on seeing his sons play college ball and on his foray into NASCAR. When Gibbs retired, the golden age of the Redskins was over. Longtime assistant Richie Pettibone lasted just one year and went 4-12. Then came the Norv Turner era, and then the death of Jack Kent Cook. Then a revolving door with Dan Snyder, other than Gibbs returning and guiding the Redskins to the playoffs twice in his final three seasons. But he called it quits again, with one year left on his original five-year contract. Some of the players from that 1991 team also moved on. Backup quarterback Stan Humphreys went up in San Diego with former Redskins GM Bobby Beathard, eventually going to a Super Bowl with the Chargers. Gerald Riggs, who scored twice against Buffalo in Super Bowl XXVI, decided to go out on top and retired. Mark Rippon stayed, but he never quite recaptured the magic he found in 91. But that was okay. 
he had been the most valuable player of the Super Bowl, throwing for 292 yards and two touchdowns. Ernest Biner got his championship ring, finishing with 73 yards and a touchdown on 14 carries and three receptions. Back in the Redskins dressing room with a couple of happy warriors here. First, Mark Rippon and Ernest Viner. First to you, Mark, you answered every challenge. You've, uh, you gambled on a one-year contract. What does this mean? Well, it's uh, beyond all that. It's a, it's a great effort. Uh, guys put their best effort forward today, and uh, what more can you ask for? It's a real team effort, and that's been the way the whole season's gone. Um, I'm just, like I say, I'm just happy to be a part of this football team. The guys here are great, and they ended on a great note. You actually you'd only had seven or eight sacks all year, and you got a little bit of pressure today from Buffalo. Early on, I think that maybe uh, frustrated them a little bit. They didn't get actually get to me, but they put some good pressure on. We still made plays, and I think that's the bottom line. Is In a game like this, we knew coming in the talent that they had. We just had to keep, keep struggling, keep uh, popping away, and things would happen right for us, and they did. There was also one touchdown pass to this gentleman right here, Ernest Viner. Ernest, a sweet day for you. Yes, it was. Uh, uh, first of all, I have to give all the credit to our Lord and Savior Jesus, Jesus Christ, because uh, without him, then we wouldn't be here. Rip made an excellent read right there and uh, just got the ball to me quick and I was able to turn it up. Well, congratulations to you both. Gary Clark and Art Monk had eerily similar games, each with seven catches, with Clark totaling 114 yards to Monk's 113, although Clark did have a touchdown. If not for that first quarter reversal on Monk's score, who knows, maybe he would have been the MVP of the game. But just as impressive as the offensive performances is what the Redskins did defensively against one of the most potent units of the 1990s. They forced five turnovers while also limiting one of the most dynamic players in football, Thurman Thomas, to 13 yards on 10 carries and 27 yards on four catches, just a year removed from him torching the Giants in Super Bowl XXV. In fact, Thomas was only the Bills' third leading rusher that day behind Kenneth Davis's 17 yards and Jim Kelly's 16 yards. Not exactly an ideal recipe for a championship. Overall, Washington outgained Buffalo 417 to 283, but that doesn't really tell the story of the game. The Bills hardly moved the ball at all until those two garbage-time touchdown drives. Brad Edwards defensed a Super Bowl record five passes and had two interceptions. Harassed by Charles Mann, Jumpy Gathers, and the rest of the Redskins' pass rush, Jim Kelly spent much of the day on his back. Mann explained the Redskins' dominance after the game. Back in the Redskins' dressing room with a couple of the defensive stars, Daryl Green and Charles Mann. Charles, you're the man. I'm the man. That's what they say. (laughs) What was key today? Uh, I I think, uh, just like I spoke to you earlier, we had to get to Jim Kelly quick. Uh, We had a lot of... uh, different uh, window dresses and different things we disguised in the backfield. Uh, Daryl Green can tell you about that a little bit more, but uh, I think we confused him early on. For his part, Thurman Thomas, he of the lost helmet, had some rather unusual comments to make after the game. I felt I should have been used more. I don't know what the coaches were thinking. You just can't get away from the running game. That's what got us here. I felt it would have given us a better chance at winning. We made a lot of mistakes and didn't adjust to what they were doing. Give Washington credit. An odd choice of words, especially considering the embarrassing incident that began the game. Whatever the reason, the Bills had come out on the wrong end of a decisive loss to a much better football team in the Washington Redskins. Not only did the Redskins beat the best of the four Bills Super Bowl teams, but they actually whipped the Bills in a way no other team did in the Super Bowl. 
Remember, the Giants won by a single point, and the Bills actually led the Cowboys at halftime of Super Bowl XXVIII. Yes, I know what you're thinking. Dallas crushed Buffalo 52-17 in Super Bowl XXVII. But a lot of those points came late, with the Cowboys scoring three touchdowns to pull away in the fourth. The Bills led that game 7-0 and only trailed 31-17 going into the fourth, despite the fact that Jim Kelly got knocked out of the game early. The Redskins, meanwhile, were the only team that never trailed against Buffalo in the Super Bowl. And I think it's important to conclude this series by contemplating the 1991 Redskins' place in history. There are a lot of ways to do that, but I think the following is a good shorthand. In 2010, ESPN set up a Super League of 16 classic NFL Super Bowl championship teams. A company called AccuScore ran the actual numbers behind the 15-week simulation. They simulated each game 10,000 times, in fact, to produce the results. The bottom line? The 1991 Redskins finished with the best record in that Super League. Then, the 91 Skins won the championship, which wound up pitting them in the finals against the 1992 Cowboys of all teams. Although teams like the 85 Bears, Pittsburgh Steel Curtain, the undefeated Dolphins of 1972, or the Belichick Patriots are better known and maybe more glamorous, the evidence, to the extent that you can really gather evidence for something like this, seems to favor the idea that the 1991 Redskins were as good, as complete, and as special as any team that has ever suited up in the history of pro football. Even if that can't be proven per se, what is beyond question is that that team meant a lot to Redskins fans who remember watching them dominate week in and week out until there was nobody left to dominate. For me personally, I know I think about these guys every time I look up at the top of my bookshelf and see the only piece of Redskins memorabilia that I own. A mini helmet, autographed by Super Bowl MVP Mark Rippon. It reminds me of some pretty terrific Sunday afternoons spent with my dad, watching the best football coach in the world lead the best football team in the world. And on this 25th anniversary of that world title, I hope that this series has brought back good memories for many of us and introduced others to this team in an in-depth way for the first time. I know they'll never be forgotten. Hail to the Redskins. You've never won a one so bad, have you? Uh, well, this one was sure, uh, I'd say well, it's hard for me to think back to the other ones, but I wanted this one, for, I think, for all the people that hadn't been here. and It was, uh, it was something special for our players. They had a special group this year.